I really think that intro is never going to get old. It doesn't get old ever. It's never going to get old. It's it's my favorite thing in the entire world. I told you if I had a song to walk into a room in for the rest of my life, it would be that. I that was amazing. It would just let everyone know, like, hey, this guy is here. It would, and he's ready to have fun. Exactly. All right, everybody, welcome back to the talk off. I'm here, Zach. We got Jake here. We got Chris Daz. We're all here. Chris and Daz are the same person. And we're going to get into it. Today is Friday. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope everybody has very safe and happy Christmas. And it's the best time of the year. Chris, what do you think? How, how, was, your, how was your week leading up to the holidays? Steve Cohen doesn't give a fuck about your luxury tax. That's yeah, how my that week was, leading up to the holidays is going. That's fair. This has that's been the fair. best week. This has been one of the best weeks of my life. And that's not I don't know how an exaggeration. It it's been a lot of fun. Going from a team that was under the regime of the Wilpons for my entire life, an ownership group that consistently looked at it as an investment and didn't want to spend money into the team, This it just feels unreal that we have an owner that not only wants to spend, but he wants to win now and develop the team and it just it I I at a loss for words honestly at how this this feels. Eight hundred and six million dollars committed in contracts over the last forty days. We have our left side of the infield for the next decade, which is Team Puerto Rico. I mean, we have Team Puerto Rico on the left side of the infield for the next decade. The two stars on that team. We have their star closer in the back end of the bullpen, locked up. The franchise could not be at a better spot now, and I know everyone wants to hint and say, hey, you, you know. You signed two 40-year-old pitchers. But besides those contracts, which obviously you take an insane amount of risk signing guys like that, there's not much money committed past these next two years in long-term contracts outside of Lindor and Correa. So honestly, I think we're at a great spot right now. We can not only develop talent now moving forward, but you're not you're not handcuffed for the next 10 years on these crazy contracts for pitchers. I know we have Sanga or we have Sanga for the next five years, um, but going forward, we look great. I mean, I, I couldn't agree. More, couldn't agree more. It's a great time to be a Mets fan. It's a great time to be a baseball fan. I love free agency, and Steve Cohen is making this a lot more fun. Steve so. Cohen makes this a lot of fun. Um, let me run through. Let me run through some names real quick. Correa at three fifteen, Nimmo at one sixty two. Diaz at 102, which is the largest contract for a reliever. Verlander at 86.6 over two years, which is ridiculous. Sanga, 75 over five. Quintana, 226. Omar Narvaez, which is a great signing. We got McCann out of the way now in Baltimore. Ottavino mm-hmm. and Robertson. Over the last 40 days, these guys have come in. And now... Not only do you have a lockdown bullpen, but you might have the best lineup in baseball. I mean, we have guys who are just absolute studs in the bullpen now. We we didn't have lefties moving moving into this last year really on our on our staff at all. And now we have you could you can make the argument that we have three great lefties now in the bullpen. I would easily agree, and I think uh, having a lefty starter too is going to benefit them more than they know. Brooks, Rayleigh, Brigham, and Otto are the three of the top 20 sweeping sliders in spin rate. So I'm excited to see this. And I know 
I know Adovino is me and him have a little Achilles heel together. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Out of the lead though. Yeah. I have uh, a tough t- a tough time trusting him, but uh, I think it'll. I think moving forward, uh, there's a little more support in that bullpen now. Yeah, I mean, I've been through the Ottavino days in Boston. Those weren't very fun either. It's not very trustworthy, but the Mets and Steve Cohen are in a great spot right now. I, I feel I, like I, I'm part of the evil fucking empire today. There is like it's at, awesome, dude. The, it's it's got to be a great feeling to just know that you have you have the best owner in baseball because he he is really the owner only owner that we've ever seen just throw their nuts on the table and say, "Here's all my money. I need my team to win a championship." Well, that's it. You know, he's probably the best owner in North American sports right now. I mean, you've never seen some of the things that he's doing yet in America, in North American sports. And, and that's why that that's nearly why a billion is, dollars in the last. That's 40 why days. this is so interesting because nobody has ever seen anything like this, and it couldn't happen in any other sport because of salary cap. This is the only sport really that someone could put up basically a billion dollars in off-season transactions because so we have in- no salary cap. And Steve Cohen is literally just saying, fuck you to the luxury tax. He doesn't right. care. He doesn't care. At this rate, you know, the penalty of going over that, that Cohen tax, as they're now referring to it as, it's not going up. I want to say it's 90 cents on the dollar he's being taxed, but you know, the tax itself, there's not, a, there's not an up, upper tranche of that tax. So you might as well keep spending at this rate. You might as well. I mean, they're in so deep now. There's no reason. That, I mean, so I mean, we're gonna get into it all with the Mets and and the whole Correa thing because a couple of days ago, Chris, we were shocked. Steve Cohen shocked us at three o'clock in the morning on Wednesday morning, and he shocked the whole world. I mean, we saw Steve Cohen was out in Hawaii having margaritas. And stumbled yeah. back to his room and sent the you up text to Boris, and that ended in 315 million big ones going over yeah. to his way. Exactly. And Correa, we saw that the Giants canceled his presser on Wednesday. Yep. Not, they didn't say anything. All they said was that they canceled his presser. He never came out. He never made a statement. I didn't see Boris make a statement. The Giants didn't make a statement besides saying his presser was canceled. And then, boom, he's a New York Met. It it really happened that quickly. We didn't know anything besides that they canceled his presser, and then overnight, I wake up in the morning on Thursday morning, Wednesday morning. He's a Met. It's it's it was definitely crazy. Um, I I don't know if this is more reluctance on the Giants ownership side, or if this is on the Correa side. Like, did he get cold feet and back out of this deal? Well, so Obviously, it did just. Co- I did. It did just come out. It did just come out. Probably about an hour before we started recording, that the Giants were nervous about a past leg injury that apparently was still bothering him. And was this prior to Major League Baseball? Because I heard reports that this was prior to him entering the league. That this injury might have. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know that. But I did see that the Giants. They they um they saw the leg injury that he had had the past leg injury and they said, they said it wasn't worth it. I, I I don't know how serious this leg injury could be because we haven't really seen him slow down. So if it's from 
before the major leagues. I don't really understand how it would be catching up to him now. We haven't really seen him have a problem. Right. There's going to be a lot of pressure on this team next year to win a World Series. Cohen's, you know, I mean, at this rate, Cohen is saying, you know, here's all my chips on the table. I'm going all in. He's giving the team, you know, if, if this is a 50-50 deal, Cohen's all in his 50%. Now it's the 50% of the team, you know, go out there and get these wins. Baseball is a weird sport. I mean, you, there's no givens in this sport. I mean, the Dodgers looked like they were going to run away with the league last year along with the Astros. The Astros ended up going and winning the league, um, dominating in the World Series. But the Dodgers were amazing last year. A few injuries happen. Um, some guys go down and – you know, the, the story is different. So I, I personally, would I like to say the Metro world series favorites? Sure. But do I think that they are probably not? We're always a, a, a injury ridden team. Cohen, I think took a chance on this deal, whether the physical that he took today comes back clean or not. I think this deal goes through no matter what. Cause I think Cohen saying, you I know, agree. we have this guy for the next 11 years now. Correa, I've seen Mets players sit out a year. I've seen big guys sit out a year. I don't mm-hmm. think that you had to Cohen go would the have David any. Wright era. It, I don't think Cohen would have any issue bringing on a guy like Correa who might have to sit out till July if he, if this leg issue is something that is very pressing and cannot be settled before spring training. Like, I mean, obviously this, this spooked the Giants enough to back out of one of the largest deals in their franchise's history after losing a guy like Judge. So this is obviously enough for the Mets uh, the Mets to say, we'll, we'll grab you on a discount at 315 as opposed to 350 over 13, over 13 years. So I think Cohen is, is really taking a big risk on this one, but I think it's going to be, you know, we'll see if it pays dividends moving forward. You know, I mean, with any signing, especially with a high caliber player for so many years, there's always the risk, I, especially in, in in baseball, baseball contracts, because if you look at the history, there are very, 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 very few long term contracts like this that end up paying off. But I think the new model of baseball and what we've seen through this market specifically is that GMs are now showing GMs and owners are now showing that they don't really care about the last four years of someone's career. No, absolutely. The not. Mets, the Mets are not paying Correa for his age 37, 38, 39 and 40 season. The, and you know, this the Yankees trend really are not started paying with the Aaron Yankees. judge for his 37, 38 and 39 year old season. They're not paying. They're paying the top dollar and they're saying, I don't care if I have to pay you $40 million when you're 39 years old, Aaron Judge. Right. That's what the Yankees are yeah. saying. I don't care because when you're 35 years old and I'm paying you $40 million, you're going to go out and win MVP. Right, and this trend so of big I, spending started in New York with the Yankees. I mean they brought in – they locked up Jeter for at that what that time was the largest free agent deal in history. Did the same with A-Rod. Um, same with Gardner. Gardner had a, had a deal that eventually at the end of his career – didn't pay dividends. He was still getting high AAV. So the Yankees kind of were the predecessors in the sense of this kind of philosophy behind giving players larger deals with, you know, more back end comfort for the team where they can, they will be paid out longer in their career, but it'll pay more dividends in the short time than the long time. It, it will. And that's kind of, that's the model the Mets are really going after is, 
you know, we we got a couple years. We had there's a couple years of opportunity where we have Scherzer and Verlander and Correa and Lindor and Alonso and Nim and all of them. There's only a short window, really, that they have the opportunity to go and and make a run. Right, and I'm not and, arguing with that philosophy either. That's just the way the game is these that, days. That's the way baseball is. That's that's, that's, the way the, baseball that's is. just the way it is. Nobody, aside from a very handful. A handful of teams, like the Yankees, teams aren't generally good for twenty years at a time. Or, or there, there's very rarely teams that are good every single year. Right. Teams go Yankees on runs. Had, they go I on. I think the Yankees have had one losing season since the nineties. It's I. It's it's in terms of it's, under five hundred. If it's not one, it's. It's definitely close to that. Yeah. But the Yankees are an outlier. That doesn't happen. Baseball is a very volatile sport. You can be really bad. We've seen it with the Boston Red Sox over the years. They're really bad. Then they win the World Series. Then they get knocked down the playoffs. Then they go to really bad. And then they win the World Series. And then they go to really bad. So it's, it's so hit or miss with baseball that you have to go out and you have to sign guys. And you have to just say screw it, let's go try to win right now. And that's what Steve Cohen is doing. Let me ask you this. Do you think the way Cohen is spending, and this was a big fear from owners when Cohen bought the team in 2019, do you think this hurts the game of baseball? And I've been hearing this over the last 48 hours, that this is kind of, you know, the competitive balance tax is put in place so teams have some sort of barrier or you know benchmark to say hey you know at this rate we're going to be taxed obviously a guy like cohen who is he's he is very set on his ego that he wants to make he's a fan of the team he wants to win now he promised to bring the fan the fans here a, a championship within the first um you know five years here um but do you think this ruins baseball? I mean, me personally, I don't think this ruins baseball because I think this is going to drive other billionaires into this market. I think you're going to start seeing like the Mark Cubans of the world trying to buy baseball teams. It doesn't matter if the team, the current state of the team is good. Location doesn't even matter at this rate. San Diego are big spenders. What's what's stopping a guy like Mark Cuban going down to the Miami Marlins and saying like, "Hey, let's be big spenders next year"? So I, I think you really you bring up a great point because it, there's a lot of talk now because of Steve Cohen that he is going to ruin the game of baseball because teams like the teams that don't spend like the Athletics and the Marlins and the Rays and the Tigers and teams like teams on the low end of the league are going to struggle because they don't have the money that Steve Cohen has, but that's just the argument. The truth of the matter here is, is if you're an owner of an MLB, if you're an owner of a professional franchise, you're a billionaire, you have the money, right? Saying you don't have money is just false. Every single MLB owner Maybe they can't put up eight hundred million in an offseason like Steve Cohen can, but they can go out and sign someone to a long term contract. Every free agency, every team has the money to do that. It's the willingness. And 
I think that what Steve Cohen is doing is going to make – I agree with you. I think it's going to make more and more owners willing to put up that much money yeah. to go out and win a championship. I mean, hey, listen, if you're if you're a, a billion – I don't know off the top of my head if there's billionaires from Pittsburgh or billionaires from Baltimore or billionaires from Oakland, but – if you're a billionaire from those areas where they're low market teams and historically their payrolls have not been anything substantial and you go in there and say, Hey, I want to buy this team and I want to change the, the culture. You automatically the become, you become a hero in that. It, be, not mm-hmm. only among that fan base, you change the way baseball's written forever. Cohen has already done this. Steve Cohen has already changed the game of baseball since he's been in it. Since he got in, since he became the owner of the Mets, what two, three years ago, he has absolutely changed the game. He has changed the game because he has made it so anyone who is a billionaire and a fan of a team can look at Steve Cohen now and be like, "Why can't I do that? Why can't I just go buy my favorite team and spend all all the money on my team? Why not?" Right. Like I and like I previously mentioned. This was a huge fear from owners. They got a lot of pushback when Cohen initially wanted to place a bid for the team uh, back in the back in the fall of 2019. Because the they were afraid, they were afraid this was going to happen. That he, they were afraid that he was going to make them spend money because they knew that he was going to come into the league and that he was going to spend money because he was a diehard Mets fan and all he wants to do is see his team win. I and agree. a lot of, and he is probably the only owner that is actually a lifetime fan of the team that he owns. So he cares so much more than every one of these owners who's just has a professional sports team to, uh, to boost their portfolio and make them more money. And I don't think this necessarily hurts that many teams. Obviously teams like Oakland and teams like Pittsburgh, were always going to be at a disadvantage anyway, because they're low market and their Mm -hmm. ownership groups don't invest as much into the talent on the field through free agency as much as these bigger market teams do. I think for teams like the Dodgers and teams like the Padres, Phillies, Braves, Giants even, Yankees, 100%. This Cohen era of just spend, 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 and I will not be told no on what I want, I think that almost even plays into their hands more. They were going to spend this money anyway. The Yankees were already going to commit this large sum of money to judge. This adds a little more competition into this field. This wasn't always how Steinbrenner didn't have anybody <laughs> barking up his tree to get some of these players back in the day. And I think now, now that the table has changed a little more where there's, there's a few larger fish in the sea. There really is. And I, it's, Oh, I just got a notification. The MLB has officially reinstated Trevor Bauer. Oh wow! His suspension oh, that's awesome. was just just reduced from three twenty four to one ninety four. Trevor Bauer will be playing baseball, hopefully, in the MLB next year. Thank and God Trevor, I can Cal- get him off Tre- my TikTok. Tre- Trevor Bauer's case. Not that we want to get too into it or anything, because I know basically what happened but not the not not into great detail but i think that was thrown out in court wasn't it that was i believe so yeah i feel obviously we're getting a little off track here but i i I feel for the guy 
I, I don't do. know. I, mean, I, I don't know what happened behind the scenes or anything, and I'm not going to comment on that. But you feel for the guy for sure. You feel for everyone involved. Absolutely. I mean, even the Dodgers, they thought they were getting a Cy Young pitcher, and what they yeah. got is two seasons of not playing. So this will be a big story moving forward in the next coming days. Back to Cohen and the Mets. I want to comment on a photo that was put on the sports page of the New York Post on October 25th of this year. I know exactly what you're talking about. The headline is, by the way, Bombers need to spend big to get back to championship heights. And the four players that they have on this on this on this page is Judge, Correa, Edwin Diaz, and JV, all in Yankees uniforms. Now I'm not Met guy. I'm not, I'm not the Met guy up here. Hey, they were here to trash Yankee fans, but I'm just saying this makes me so fucking happy to see this. <laughs> I'm I'm happy for you. I've seen this you go makes me all of it so happy. This makes me so. And this isn't Yankee fans. This isn't little brother coming and yelling at you. I respect Yankee fans. Their ownership is obviously look. The ownership has has done a phenomenal job over the last few decades. They won three championships in a row. Again in two thousand nine, they had the core four. They they were the up to the up to the last decade. They were the gold standard in baseball, and you have to respect that as a fan of the game. But it's a new fucking time in baseball, baby. That's true. It's the Cohen it, era, baby. It, it, it's the beauty of baseball, dude. It, it it changes so quickly, and it can so easily. Now, one thing I do want to get into and what I want to ask you about is – so they signed Correa. Obviously, they signed him to play third. Right. I kind of want to get your your thoughts on that because in my opinion – Moving someone like Correa, you're almost devaluing him. And, and and I get it. Yes, he's still going to be a great defender at third, but the guy's a shortstop. He right. is a shortstop. And we've seen people move around. Like we've, we saw Machado. He went to San Diego. He played some third. He played a lot of short in the beginning. And been, But what we really saw was he really came back into his own this last season and the season before because he was playing third base on an everyday basis and that's where he plays. Right. There is something to say about moving a guy who's played shortstop his whole career to third base and it's just a, like a comfort thing. You know, so I kind of want to get your opinion on them moving them him to third because I'm not really that big of a fan of it, but you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I personally don't think it's going to impact his play in the long run as much as one might think. I think in the short term, there's going to be some growing pains with him moving over to third. But, he, he, you know, I was listening to Boris this afternoon actually talk about this, and the media was, uh, as they always are, a little harsh on a guy like Correa backing out of a deal like San Francisco to play his natural position to go to New York to play third, which obviously he has not played a large amount, if any. I'm not sure if he's ever played third in the big leagues. I know he played third for the World Baseball Classic team in 2017. Mm -hmm. I don't believe he's ever played third in the big leagues. 
Boris stated that he's not only excited, but he's eager to play third. He feels that by sacrificing mobility in range at short, he'll be able to in turn flip that for more power. He'll bulk up a little more and it'll help his bat a little more. Correa already has one of the better arms. He's a plus arm defensive defensively wise at moving from short to third. So that obviously won't be the issue. I think this helps him out offensively in a, in a massive way. I think this is going to help him uh, increase his power numbers moving forward. I don't think offensively this is going to affect him short-term wise. I think we will see him bulk up a little more. I do think that there's, like I said, there's going to be some growing pains initially at third. <clears throat> but I guess until we see him at opening day, we can't get a true sense of what it's going to look like. We'll have a sneak preview in the World Baseball Classic because he'll be playing alongside Lindor there. Yeah, I we really don't know what it's going to look like. I, I, I kind of just wanted to get your take on that because... We have seen people move positions and struggle, and even in the outfield, some people. I mean, we've seen players move to corner or move to center and struggle. Um, yeah. Even with the Yankees, I, 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 this is this is just my personal opinion, but I feel like Aaron Judge plays a, a better outfield when he plays right. I, I just do. I, I think he plays better in right. I don't think he can get to a lot of the uh, uh, balls in center that a center fielder should get to, but that. That doesn't mean he's still not Aaron Judge. No. Now, another thing that I that I wanted to get your opinion about is so Lindor is locked up, Correa is locked up. You have the left side of your infield locked up. Now, two of your best prospects are third baseman, are they not? Um, Mauricio is a second and shortstop. Brett Beatty is a natural third baseman, can play a little outfield, but he, he won't be playing outfield for us. And Vientos. That, that's my guess. And Vientos. And then we obviously have Alvarez behind the dish. But as of now, it looks like Narvaez and maybe Nito. This probably the Narvaez move probably means Nito's out the pick out of the picture for next year. Probably yeah. will just be uh, Alvarez and Narvaez. Yeah, Alvarez so, will probably but, see a good amount of time at DH with Vogel back too. I'm sorry, I'm getting away from your question, but yeah. So I mean, to yeah, your point, my, yes, we do. My have, point is, my point is, is you have two top prospects that are third basemen, and you have just blocked both of them. Do you get rid of them now? Yeah, see, I, I feel don't, like you I almost don't, have to. I don't think you get rid of them, and I'll tell you one reason why. You you have backing from the ownership at this rate. Money money is fictitious to Steve Cohen. It doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. It's not a money problem, though, Daz. Where are they gonna? Where is he gonna play? He's not gonna come play. I mean, Mark Vientos and Brett Beatty are not gonna sit in AAA for ten years. No, right. So, so he- hear me out on this. Obviously, with this Cohen regime, money is not an issue. So, if Correa is hurt now and will miss a substantial amount of time with this injury, Cohen is fine to eat that first twenty-six million dollars of his AAV. Beatty will come up. Vientos will come up. I think this is great bench depth moving forward. They're going to make the 26-man roster. I think where it could turn into a scenario for a trade, I think a scenario for a trade would be very likely for a guy like Mauricio 
or Vientos. I think the Mets are a little bought into the Beatty image right now. I think he's mm-hmm. he can he can play outfield. I think that's the big thing that the Mets like right now because we don't have a lot of outfield depth. Um, Ronnie Mauricio is a true infielder. He is going to be a stud. He reminds me very much of Jimenez, where he's a contact hitter with pop too. So I think those two are more likely to be sent over in a trade. We've, I know I've seen some some rumblings on Twitter about Fientos to the to the White Sox or either Eloy or Liam Hendricks. So I think that there is some buzz on those guys, and I don't necessarily think that this Correa signing blocks those. I think it adds to their depth. They will definitely get playtime in those positions because historically the Mets are an injury-ridden franchise and in the dog days of June and July, there are going to be injuries to this team. Mm. So I think they will get valuable playing time at some point during the season. I don't think it would be the biggest shocker in the world to see them. All, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if I see all three of them on the 26 man and then eventually be unloaded towards the trade deadline for that finishing piece that Billy wants to make eventually. Um, come the end of August for the eventual playoff push. But I don't think that this necessarily blocks them. I think that the Mets would rather have a surplus of, of defense and surplus of bats um, within the infield, if that helps answer your question at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to keep playing devil's advocate here because I'm enjoying it. So you talk about what's going to happen and you, you you say you have Beatty and Vientos on your twenty six man roster. In your head, they're making. I would a be a little hesitant. To, I would be hesitant to put Vientos on the twenty sixth. Okay. Depending on the rest of the off season. As of right now, I think now, he makes the twenty sixth. Um, I think it's still possible that we go after a an outfielder for more depth. Now, now I agree with that a hundred percent. I think Vientos should start in AAA. Now, if Correa is not injured and he starts this year, I personally think you also start Beatty in AAA. And here's why. If you bring Beatty and Vientos or Vientos, any, any, either one of them, if you bring them up, right, and they're on the 26-man roster and they sit the bench, you are devaluing them so much because at the trade deadline – Owners and GM, excuse me, GMs want to see the production at AAA. They're not going to see any production at AAA from Beatty if he's just sitting the bench for the Mets. So that's a piece that you cannot, you can now not move. Right. Alvarez, I don't think they will move Alvarez. I don't think they're ever going to move Alvarez. I think he's a very good catcher and he's going to be the catcher of the Mets for the future. I and think. I'm worried, but see, the thing is about Alvarez, I'm worried about the guy's defensive abilities. I think he's going to be. I think he's. I think he's going to be a great hitter. I think in the short term he might be more useful as a DH. Okay, but even if even if you do use him as a DH, I don't believe that they're going to get rid of him. No, absolutely not. He's he's staying. So that leaves you Vientos. If you leave Vientos down in AAA, I think he. I think he actually is a very good piece that you could trade come to come the deadline. But I have the same issue. With him that I have with Beatty in that is if he gets brought up because of injury and has to either play or back someone up and sit the bench, 
he is going to be devalued because he will not be raking at AAA. You know what I mean? No, I I, I completely hear you. I think that's like, my only worry no, with the Correa yeah. signing. And to my point earlier, I think I think it makes perfect sense for those guys to see playing time in AAA to start the year, whether whether the pending the decision of whether Correa's Correa's injury will affect his ability to, you know, be on the opening day roster. I think wherever those guys, wherever those big three prospects that we have end up to start the season, I think come the trade deadline, there's going to be a lot of buzz around those names. A lot of teams are going to be calling us asking for those guys to ship out talent. I don't think it's a crazy. I don't think it's a crazy concept to subscribe to that. Those guys will see a good amount of playing time, not only in AAA but at the major league level. Well, I mean, we'll see what they do. We'll see what the Mets end up doing with them, and you know, uh, it's a great signing with Correa and. And they're looking like the best team in baseball right now. It feels crazy just knowing that 10 years ago, I was going to Met games with rosters of Luis Castillo at second, Ruben Dejada at short, Jeff Francoeur, mm-hmm. Mike Baxter, mm-hmm. all these guys that are so random. Such, they're such random Mets. And now we have guys like Correa, Lindor, Marte, Verlander, it just, it feels surreal. It feels like we're actually a baseball team for once. Mm-hmm. I get that. Moving on to um, some other things in the MLB that have happened. Haven't been a lot of signings since the last time we met, but Dansby did have his first presser in Chicago. Did you get a chance to check it out? That was awesome, dude. That was so cool. I don't know if anyone had the chance to to watch it, but uh, there's no way you can get through that interview without cracking a tear or two. Yeah. I mean, you know, when Dansby signed with the Cubs, I was a little upset because I, I did want him to stay in Atlanta and I thought he would stay in Atlanta. Because, I got 100%. Because I was like, I, this guy is ATL for life. That was his hometown. He went to Vandy. I, I just thought for sure he was going to stay. He ends up going to Chicago, and he tells you why he went to Chicago, and he talks about his grandfather. Watching that presser was awesome, man, and now I feel like I'm all in on Dansby. Oh, I love Dansby. I think he's the – I think think he could be the guy for the Cubs. I think he could – he – I. you know, he made such a big step last year with his bat – He's always had a good glove. We've we've known since he went to since he came up from Vanderbilt that he's had a great glove. Yeah. And the problem has always been that the bat has just not been there. He he's always he was good for about tw- for 20 home runs, 25 home runs, but the consistency in the bat was just not there. Last year, he showed that he can have a consistent bat. He can hit 25 to 30 home runs. And he can do that while still playing a gold glove caliber shortstop. So I think the Cubs got their man for the next seven years. 
And they're kind of in an, an interesting spot. With They have Bellinger with the prove-it year. And we'll see what other moves they make. The reason the Cubs don't scare me with Dansby is because they have no one to pitch. They well, that's have a, that's, that's the issue no that they're running into. To pitch, which is the issue that the Cubs have, is that they signed Marcus Stroman to be their ace, and that has not worked out for them. And they're still reliving the 2015, 2016, whatever it was, World Series. So. Is Kyle Hendricks still a Cub? Kyle Hendricks is the third starter for the Cubs. So he must be the only player on that roster that's still there from the World Series team. I believe that he is the only player left. Has to be, yeah. They have a really interesting roster. I mean, they're obviously not going to be anything to really scare any team ahead of them in the NL Central. I mean, the NL Central is an interesting is an interesting division to begin with, with the brew crew in there. They appear to be sellers right now. I think, I mean, I think the NL, the NL central is almost locked up with the Cardinals. Um, I agree. I, I, they were very good last year and I don't think they, they really got any worse. They lost Quintana from the trade deadline, but that's not too much. And, they didn't really go out and make a move, which I was really upset about. I I did think they were going to be into this free agent market, um, especially the shortstop market, but they are sticking with Tommy Edmond over there. I still expect them to win this division. I still expect them to be back in the playoffs. I was going to say, do you still think, have MVP caliber players on that team? Do you think in the National League, looking at the three divisions, I think the NL Central is the only division I can confidently say that the Cardinals are the only legit shot at winning that division. I mean, uh, yes, guys, yes. guys, oh. guys, guys do go down and guys do get hurt. Mm-hmm. But besides that, the Cubs aren't going to win 90 games. The Brewers are not going to win 90 games. I mean, the Cardinals you're talking also... about a team that the Brewers, if they, if the Brewers get off to a rough start, they will be selling very fast in August. I will not be surprised at the deadline if we see either Burns or Woodruff go. 100%. I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't if you didn't. I wouldn't be surprised if off before spring training. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them packaged with Yelich to get his contract out of there. Because they don't want to pay him any more money. He's another disappointment, which is is sad because he was an absolute stud in Miami. Stud in Miami. Stud in Miami comes over and wins an MVP and now has all but looked like he's lost his touch. This reminds me, I mean, him and Bellinger are almost identical in the sense that Yelich hasn't dropped off the table as much as Bellinger has, but they both probably need a change of location to do something. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, I really like the. Bellinger and Dancy both going to the Cubs. I think it's a little bit off the beaten path, especially for Bellinger, because after that MVP season, I really felt like it was kind of the pressure that got to him more, the pressure of being in LA, being a Dodger and being a former MVP, that he just lost it. So right. I think Chicago is is just off the beaten path enough for him to go and try to revive his career, and that's why they signed him to a one-year deal to to kind of have a prove it year. And Cincinnati isn't doing anything, obviously, and Pittsburgh isn't no. either. 
So we will see where that division goes. It's most likely going to go to the Cardinals. And besides the other two, there's, I mean, the Dodgers, I mean, the NL West, I don't think you can confidently say is the Dodgers anymore. I don't think you can confidently say it. I mean, when you have a team with Soto, Bogarts, Tatis, Machado, um, and then a, a bull, and then a rotation of Musgrove, Darvish, and Snell. I don't know how you can confidently sit there and say that the Dodgers are a lock to win this division because they're absolutely not. And we don't expect Soto. Means... We don't expect Soto to play as bad as he did for the Padres right. last year. No, he's not. He, not. He's not that player. He just isn't. All right. He had an adjustment period, and he definitely, you know, he moved across the country. So. I give the guy that that half of the season to figure it out, but he's got to come out up and he's got to show Padres fans why they gave away their entire future for him. I have a question for you. Do you think if you're Padres ownership, you almost root for an average year for Soto in a contract year like this? Do you think that takes a hit it's to tough. his value? It's, it's tough. I, I do think that in another off year, does hurt his value. I mean, we saw what going nuclear in your contract year does for you. I mean, Aaron Judge probably realistically would have got 35 AAV probably with a year less mm. if he did not have that crazy season, but he did, so he got 40. I think if Soto was in this market this year, his deal would have 100% without a doubt would have pushed over 400. Uh, it would have been very close because yeah, because he's still so young. He he would be locked up for thirteen years, no doubt. I judge. I mean, judge would have gotten four hundred if he went out west. That's that's true, exactly. Yeah. And that was still only eight years, nine years, something along those lines. Yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll see what goes on. Let's let's get into some other stuff because there wasn't that too much baseball, and we could talk about baseball further. Let's get into some other stuff. Big news, big news this week. The Masters and the PGA Tour have come out and said they are going to allow Live Tour players to play in the Masters. This is exciting. I couldn't be more excited. I this am awesome. so excited. The Masters, we still have about four months till the four and a half months till the Masters, but. I couldn't be more excited for this news. I was really worried about the decision that Augusta National was going to ultimately make for this upcoming tournament because the deal, the reality of this situation is this. If you don't allow live golf players to play this upcoming April, they were going to make their own majors. Exactly. And this exactly. sets this and this sets the standard whatever Augusta the the eyes are on Augusta right now. They're setting the standard for the remainder of the season, essentially for letting live golfers play in their respective major championships. Letting these players in is huge in the sense that now this puts pressure on the PGA, this puts pressure on the USGA, to and and it puts pressure on the RNA to let players play in their opens. This is huge for the game of golf because, like I mentioned earlier, you would have had players running off to play in fictitious major championships for hundreds of millions of dollars. Exactly. You would have seen. And you would have lost even more people from the tour. 
and this is and this is how a sport cannibalizes itself because if you have competing major championships there is going to be a whole new generation of golfers who don't place an emphasis on I want to win a green jacket on Sunday or I want to host the claret jug at in the UK or I want to be at Pinehurst hosting the 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 US Open trophy this is huge for the game of golf, and I want to say, and I don't want to be dramatic about this, but this is a huge step forward for the game. You have a you have a competing league where your top player in the last two years jumps ship and leaves to the to live tour in Camp exactly, Smith. Yeah, this is huge. And then, I mean, they lost so many top players to live, and you can't blame them for leaving i mean if someone offered me that money i would i would i don't care if it's saudi dirty money who cares someone offered you someone that much money cam smith came i mean cam smith was one of those guys who he was one of the last ones to leave and he was doing a lot of pressers after people left saying i'm not going anywhere i'm not going anywhere why would i go but they gave him a big enough paycheck everyone's got a number everyone's got a number and I think it's really good for the PGA Tour to allow them to play. Uh, they would have lost a lot of viewership if they didn't. And I think they probably realized that and said, we got to let these guys play or else nobody's going to watch the damn Masters. I totally agree. What I'm curious about moving forward and in the coming weeks, we'll hear more info come out about this. Obviously, there is a certain criteria to be invited to play in the masters. The obvious criteria that everyone immediately jumps to is have you won a green jacket? So those guys, Phil, DJ, uh, Patrick Reed off the top of my head, Sergio, those are the guys from live that automatically in the top of my head, those guys are coming back to Augusta in April Mm -hmm. guys along the lines of cam Smith. Yes, they did finish top. I believe Cam Smith finished top 20. I think if you finish top 10, top 15, top 20 in the, the previous year's Masters, I think you get exemption for the next three to five years, I want to say. But like we were talking pre-show, a huge part of the contingency of playing into the Masters for the following year is your world golf rankings, is your playment in other major championships. Now these guys were playing in the majors last year coming forward into this year and the following years, it'll be interesting to see what these other tournaments decide. Zach, I would love to get your take on, on do you think live golf should get world golf ranking points moving forward to maybe set a standard in golf? Because now if you, if you let the world, if you let, if you let live golfers have world golf ranking points, you're creating, yes, you are creating transparency between two leagues, but there's not a premier golf league anymore. Yeah, and I and I think that's the problem that you get to is that if you allow those live players to gain world points, you you're almost devaluing the PGA Tour, and it's again it's going to be another reason that people are like, why am I sticking with the PGA Tour? I should just be going to the live if they're going to pay me more money, because I think that's the problem right now is that at the beginning we saw people go to the live tour because of the money. And they had to give up certain things that came along with being on the PGA Tour. Right. If they can do everything on the PGA Tour that they they can do on the Live Tour, then why, might as well go play on the Live Tour because they make more money. 
So there has to be a certain standard of what they can do and what they can't do. And if the PGA Tour just lets live players um, gain world points and they start letting live players have all the same things that PGA Tour players have, I think they're still they're going to lose even more players than they already have. Yeah, I agree. And I think that something that golf was always afraid of in the past was golf always had this very niche fan base in the sense that they had these fans that would show up and would watch these tournaments in these, you know, these pretty packed sports months. One that comes off to my um, one comes that comes to mind very quickly is the waste management. This year, it's going to be played on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Is yeah. you know, so that's competing right there for TV. I don't think they're going to nearly have the viewership that they did last year for the waste management, just because of the Super Bowl being on that day. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong, but golf is moving in the direction with live, and I'm talking about generally golf as a sport here. Live is pushing the game to invite the casual fan in because the casual fan isn't necessarily watching the waste management. It's one of the bigger non-major championships that the PGA Tour hosts. I'll throw out the Rocket Mortgage Invitational in Detroit. The average golf fan is probably not watching that. So in tournaments like Live, where it's three-day tournaments, shotgun start, always highlights on the screen. Mm -hmm. I know this gets confusing to a lot of people because it's kind of like golf's version of red zone, but it's one, it's fast. It's not, it doesn't, it's not boring. It doesn't drag on, which the average golf viewer might dislike about the sport. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm not out here and saying, I think live golf is good for the sport as a whole. I just think it has the right idea of moving it in the right direction. Yeah, they're moving in the direction of a lot of sports, uh, what a lot of sports are trying to do, and that is making it better for the casual fan. Uh, we've seen that in other 100%. sports, like the M- like the MLB has done that as well with the uh, you know Ghost Runner on second, and and you know just a couple and the the possible uh, pitch clock coming next year, and and all this stuff that they're trying to do to make the game go faster. It's the same thing that Liv's trying to do. They're trying to make golf more interesting. They want people – the people who go out and play golf like once a month, they want those people to watch, not just the people who go out and play once a week and, and know all the guys. They want people who are just like, oh, this, look, this looks interesting, and, th- and they want people to be able to watch it and s- keep watching it. I don't know about you, but there's been tons of times where I've turned on a golf tournament, a PGA Tour event. And I mean, I've watched it for an hour and then I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore because you just end up watching the same stuff and it's ha- half of them just walking. Yeah. So with Liv, I mean, Liv is trying to make it more watchable, I guess, for the casual fan. Yeah. And the PGA Tour has taken steps to kind of mimic what Liv has already set their standard to be. I, I know PG, the PGA Tour came out and mentioned that they were going to go ahead and go with tournaments that had larger purses. I know Jay Monahan came out and mentioned that there would be some tournaments with no cuts in them. Um, 
last April, Tiger and Rory announced a virtual golf league. I believe it's titled the the TGL, mm-hmm. which is a virtual another a virtual golf league that is going to be in a studio, and it's going to be mainly for the viewers. trying to think of the word here it's gonna be mainly for the viewers fandomness i don't know how to i don't yeah, I, I don't, I, 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 I don't I, know where i'm going with that but yeah, no i get you i get it's, you it's a, it's 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 all it's viewer not for oriented. Them. they're not doing it for them they're doing it so the fans have something to watch and something interesting to watch they're right, doing it for is, the fans yeah 100 percent. and this is another another way for golf to move in a direction that isn't four-day tournaments where thursday is pretty boring for the right for the casual fan and the only really, the only really thing a, a a casual golf fan would really be interested in in any of these casual tournaments, and I say casual meaning the smaller ones, are Sunday late Sunday on like a four o'clock if it's on TV. Exactly, exactly. And there's, it's tough to try to get people interested in in golf if they're not interested. It's it's impossible to get someone interested when they're just like so reluctant to give it a shot. Right. So uh, live is, I, I, I do like what they're doing. Uh, obviously I don't like, I didn't like the, the poaching of PJ tour players, but I've really, I, I've come, I've come a long way and I've been way more open to the lit, the live way of things. And I, I'm kind of here for it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Not that I, not, not, not that I am a, am, am a live diehard, but uh, it is, it is kind of, sick to watch them throw around their money sorry i couldn't hear you that was the sound of the live jet blasting by you <laughs> that thing is sick yeah it has like poker tables and couches it's like two floors i think if i had a couch on an airplane i don't i think i would just say hey fly this fly this around i don't are I, you ready I are you ready for your brain your brain to explode go for it imagine stairs on a plane stairs Okay, so double decker plane. I'm trying to think. Do, do you think Air Force One has stairs? I'm googling this right now. I do. Not Air Force think One Air Force is the one. sickest airplane ever. I disagree. So what is? I don't know, but I don't think it's Air Force One. It's the, the Oval jet. Office in the sky. See, Sorry? it's, it's the Dick. Livejet. He said it's the Livejet because it is. It's the sickest plane. It's way cooler. Well, I don't think the live jet can get refueled midair. I mean, I'm sure it can, but Air Force One does that. All right, buddy. Whatever you say. It has a floating oval office, 4,000 square feet in the interior of the plane. Conference room, dining room, floating oval office. Two bedrooms, two baths for the president, as well as offices for the senior staff. And they can produce like up to, to two thousand meals. Holy shit! <laughs> I would like to go on Air Force One. Eighty-five phones, armored windows. Eighteen feet. The new plane will be eighteen feet and two inches long, and will weigh up to one hundred forty-two thousand more pounds than the last one. I guess in twenty eighteen they built a new. This is not breaking news. This is this is a two thousand and eighteen article. Nope, this yeah. is breaking news. All right, so you want to get into some uh, maybe some picks for the weekend? Let's do some picks. Let's do some picks. Oh wait, 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 wait! Before we get into picks, 
before we get into picks. Producer Jake just drove across the fucking country. Can we get a clap for that? That's awesome. Can we get a, can, like, let's get a round of applause. Let's get a round of applause. Producer Jake. Producer Jake just drove across the country. He Back on saw, the East Coast. He saw the mountains. He saw the valleys. Jake, can you give us a little snippet of what that was like? Thank you. I, I appreciate the applause. Um, I know it's it's a tough tough journey I had to make, but no. In all seriousness, uh, it was good. Uh, twelve hours one day, twelve hours the next day, and then finished it up with three today. So. How many bathroom breaks? Um, that's we only stopped here to the bathroom when we get gas. I mean, we're pretty good. Wow. We're pretty efficient. Uh, we, our only stops are gas. We get we do all of our bathroom, our food. Yeah, I was gonna say, what but kind of I, food are you guys rocking? What's, like, what's, yeah, what's the go to snack? Well, I was gonna ask you guys what your go to. You go to seven, you pull up Seven Eleven. Me and Will had an argument about this. You go up, pull up Seven Eleven. They have mm-hmm. every snack, every candy, and every drink in the world. What is your go to drink snack combo? Okay, drink Ooh, snack candy. Here good. we go. Here we this go. Here we go. Good. This is good. Uh, drink. I'm gonna go with uh, 99 cent Arnold Palmer. That's a good one. Uh, candy, I'm going to go uh, Sour Straws. Ooh, and Snack, I am going to go with... Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm going to go with Garden Salsa Sun Chips. Great, great choice. I think... Are we doing candy too? Like, what yes. do I have to choose here? So candy... Drink, drink candy, snack. Okay. I'm not going to copy you because I would totally get the get an Arnold Palmer. I am going to go Glacier Freeze Gatorade. Ooh. I'm going to go Sour Cream and Onion Chips. Okay. Ruffles too. No Lay's. I don't Important. want that I want I don't want that chip to be flat. I want it to have ridges. <laughs> Keep it a chip with a ridge. And and and, and can I say like uh, I want to say like I, I'm not like a, I'm not the biggest candy person, so I think my answer is going to be kind of boring. But honestly, sour Skittles, where I had those for the first sour time Skittles like a week ago, I think that might be my new top. Besides that, or like a Twix bar, I think it's just a Twix bar is just a classic, and it's just banging whatever. Jake, those, those are those are good picks. I mean, those are nothing. It's not a Charleston chew. That's not a some random pretzel snack. I mean, I I agree. Charleston I think you need chew. to go with something sour. You both picked something right there. I, you got to go with something caffeine, or no, Palmer, or Coca Cola, yeah. Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I found a new snack that I think is the best thing in the entire world. I don't know if you guys have had this. Dots pretzels Southwest seasoning. Oh, what the hell is that? Oh the my hell is god, that? they are. It's my new thing. It's my new favorite snack. It might be, although we had it. it. You got it in Nebraska, so I don't necessarily know. But um, the corn husk is baby. <laughs> it is the best pretzel you'll ever eat in your life. I, I, I'm obsessed. I'm I'm really big into the the rest stops that have like chain brands inside that rest stop already. Oh, I was driving best. down to DC earlier this year, and. All of the rest stops had Auntie Anne pretzels and Dunkin' Donuts and uh, Wendy's. Dude, it's the best. It's the worst, unreal, dude. The worst I is love when, this you go country. A, when you just go on a road trip in the middle. Of, when I went to Canada a couple months ago, dude, there is nothing on the way up there. You just drive past cattle and grass 
There's no there's auntie. There's way. no auntie Anne's to, no to stop auntie and get a Anne's, nice, no. delicious every, warm pretzel. And every rest stop is just a, a toilet. It's the wow. worst. That's so uneventfully boring. I know. And I feel like upstate, but uh, there must have been cool views because, like, upstate New oh, York. Was cool. is like, oh, there yeah. was definitely some cool views. Good foliage. Jake, did it get like really dull and boring along the lines at some point? On the way back, the way back of a road trip is always the worst. Road trips, fit, like when you're going to go on to go somewhere and you're like, "Come on, let's road trip there." It's such a great idea until you have to come back. Right. I almost think sometimes that the the way there to your destination on a road trip takes longer than the way back because there's more anticipation on the way there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. So picks, picks, picks. Picks, picks, we got, picks. We got, we got, we got, got side Let's do some picks. Let's do some picks. Powered by Riverside. We are Dude, another producer Jake snippet that just goes unnecessarily hard. This guy dude. is this guy's crazy. He doesn't miss. Somebody please stop him. All right, let's get in let's get into some picks. Who wants to Does lead any, off here? You know, I don't think I ever lead off. Let me do it. I'll lead off. So, my pick for this week, Friday, December 23rd, is going to be Wake Forest minus two against Missouri in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. That's say that ten times fast. <laughs> Union Home No, I can't even say it once. I can't even say it once. Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Union, oh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> but anyway, Wake Forest minus two against Missouri tomorrow night, six thirty Eastern on ESPN. I love Wake Forest. Let's ride, baby. I'm going Bruins minus 115 on the road at the New Jersey Devils. The Bruins are 7-1-2 in their last 10. The Devils have lost four out of their last five. I'm going with my old college friends on this one. They're all huge Bees fans. I'm hopping on the bandwagon for this one because the Rangers have, you know, the Rangers are coming back a little bit, but I'm, I'm going Bruins on this one. I feel confident on this pick. I feel pasta is going to do something special tomorrow night. I like it. I think it's a great pick. The Bruins are unreal right now. It's unbelievable. Uh, I know I, I want to, I need to address my 0-3 start, um, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to give you another pick, and that's going to be the Arizona Coyotes tomorrow night at home. They're underdogs, but that's all I take, and they're going to win go. right. They're winning outright. The Yotes. The Yotes. You heard it on ASU's campus. Producer Jake, the Yotes will be winning outright tomorrow. That's awesome. Let's go, Jake. Let's go. Also, before we move on to, I think we're gonna we're gonna do some Florida Man Friday, some roulette, and get out of here. I think that's. I think it's almost time for Florida Man Friday. Before we move on to Florida Man Friday, and I'm gonna be cocky about this the entire college basketball season. The Providence Friars in double OT, baby. Taking down the Marquette Golden Eagles at they home. They did. That was a good pick. 
I was so fired up for that. Can I Coach, actually? Can I actually ask what are what are yeah. what are the records for picks? I know Jake's zero and three. I'm two and one. I think I'm one and two. One and two. I think I'm one and two. Should need a leaderboard. We need a leaderboard. We need a leaderboard. I would like to give a shout out to one of our better players that came in through the transfer portal this year, uh, Bryce Hopkins, who was formerly at Kentucky. Uh, And he was fired up post game saying, you know, this, this, this environment tonight at home was electric. I can't wait to see what the environment's going to be like when the students come back against a big East team and coach Ed Cooley just with the, fucking sickest comment ever just says it's gonna be a lot of tall boys baby so i am <laughs> fired up for this team i think i i think hey we you know we lost in the uh sweet 16 last year to kansas i think the there's no hangover from that the success is going to continue and look out for the friars baby they're coming look out all right F- florida man friday baby let's get to it I can I can go first on this one. I have I have an article prepped up for this one already. Go for it. If you got one, go for it. Let me set the scene for everyone here. This is from the Orlando Weekly. Headline is Florida man claims bag of cocaine meth was found wrapped around his genitalia was not his. That's not mine. How could it be? Forty three year old man was riding in a car that was pulled over for a DUI stop. When the police searched, they found a gun in the car. And deputies continued to further search him and found the drugs attached to his appendage. And he claimed it wasn't his. Which just sounds like... Did he claim... How could it, how could it be his? I believe him. That it, that it was anybody else. I mean, did we, he blame someone else for putting it Do you think that'll stand up in court? I don't believe so. Did that joke fly over your head? Yeah. We'll keep moving. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> okay. Jake, do you have one or... Uh, I don't right now, but I could get one. All right. Well, I'll just, I'll go with mine. Mine is from a couple years ago, but I, I found it on Twitter and I, I can't, I, I can't let it go by without telling everybody. So the title of this article is shocking. An 88 year old Florida man was arrested for burning a raccoon alive because the raccoon ate his mangoes. Oh. So this this dear old fella, 88 years old, decided one day to look outside. He saw a raccoon. So he went outside. And the raccoon was eating his mangoes. It decided to attack him, so he decided that he wanted to pour a gallon of gasoline on the raccoon and light a match and light it on fire. So, wow, that is just really mean. Is there a video of that? I think I've seen... I don't have a video attached to it, but I really, really wish there was. 
Okay, I've seen something similar. That's hilarious. Oh my god, he didn't even kill it with the fire! I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm just reading the end of the story. The fire didn't even kill it. The cops came and shot it. Oh, that's terrible. The poor raccoon. That's so sad. I know. All right, Jake, got one? Maybe not. Sorry, I was on mute. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I do have one here. Um, let's see, let me pull it up. Okay. Florida man, 18, accidentally shoots woman twerking at a possible house party. I did um, see that one when I was looking for mine. Wait, does it say possibly twerking? Like, was she. It says accidentally shoots. It was an, a, a possible house party. Oh, possible. Oh, so, possible oh, house party. Okay, Definitely so, twerking. Possible can we unpack house this party. for a second? What what turn what what determines a possible house party? Is it like a number of people, or is there it was like, probably like ten people? Or or look at it, play the devil's advocate angle. Was there was there maybe not enough drinks there? Was there not food? True. You never know. I don't know what the police classify as a party. I'm gonna go with there were juveniles there, so they did not want to be. They do not want to claim having a party. It looks like. <laughs> juveniles but weird headline nonetheless this is honestly my favorite segment and i don't think it's ever going to stop being my favorite world we will never run out of florida man headlines people just do weird shit in florida man must be something in the water down there There roulette spin roulette spin and then uh roulette spin take off for the uh, holiday weekend sounds good to me baby all right. Our random uh, number today is is 26. Jake is uh, doing the honors today. I think the last... Does anyone remember what the number was last time? We're 0-3 so it far. It was 12 last week. It was 12. And we've been... 12. I, it's, it, our our numbers have seemingly been in the 20s every time. I know. What's the number again today? 20, 26. 26. 26. 26. I don't think the fans are going to see, um, but you're just going to have to trust the reactions. But uh, here we go. That's okay. 26. Here we go. Come on. 26. Spin, baby. Come spin. Come on. Come on. 18. Oh, 18. Damn. So close. So now we're 0 4. But hey, this and... is, it'll only make it cooler when we hit it. That's true. It's going to make it so much cooler when we hit it. It's going to be sick. What if we never hit it? I think we're going to hit it. Do you think do you think we'll hit it before Do you think we'll hit it before the we'll, Masters? Do you think we'll hit it before we have already like put down 100 bucks? We're already statistically due. We are due. We are, we are due. due. And we're $12. We're $12. Everyone, poor. just remember this. If you're in gambling debt, just remember you are due. You are due. If you if you have lost do not take nonstop that advice. Do not for the take past that month, just keep going. You're due. Don't worry. Do not take this advice for the love of God. It will eventually come back around. Don't worry. 
And you always double down on 12. Come on. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for that's today's gonna episode. That's going to wrap up this one. Thanks, everybody, we, uh, for hanging out. Yeah, thank, thank you, for everyone, for listening in today. We hope everyone here from uh, listening has a very happy and healthy Merry Christmas. We will be back next uh, Tuesday. Right? Tuesday. We'll, we'll be, be back, back next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. We'll be back next Tuesday. We won't miss a beat because of the holiday. No breaks on talk off. Happy Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah to um, those who celebrate. Uh, and we will look forward to seeing you guys next week. All right. Love you guys. Shout out our man in Brussels for listening. We love you.